This episode originally aired live on YouTube. Because we were discussing social justice-inspired commercials, we played a few of those commercials at various times throughout the show. Because you can't see the video on this podcast, there will be a few moments during which you'll hear just the audio of the commercial, which won't be as helpful in providing context for the discussion. As a result, in the written description of this episode, we've included YouTube links to all the commercials we discussed, for your reference. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome, everyone, to Deprogrammed on Unsafe Space. I am your host, Carter Laren, and I'm joined, as always, by... Carrie, say hello. The great Hi. Bad Mama Jamma. I guess that's what I'm supposed to call you. The Bad Mama Jamma. Hi, guys. It's Carrie Smith. <laughs> and <laughs> this is a clusterfuck of a start already. So um, <laughs> welcome, everyone. Uh, you can follow the show at Unsafe Show on Twitter. You can go to uh, our YouTube channel, which is Unsafe Space. What? Facebook pages uh, for Deprogrammed as well as Unsafe Space. Probably some other stuff, but just go to unsafeshow.com. Twitter, unsafe show on Twitter. Yeah, I thought I said that, but maybe not. Um, So welcome. We are going to chat today about, so we've talked a lot about this Gillette ad already. Um, So we don't want to focus too much, I don't think, uh, on the Gillette ad. However, um, Carrie and I were talking, and this is really representative of a trend. And so we wanted to talk about woke ads a little bit more broadly than just the Gillette ad. If you haven't seen the Gillette ad, I don't know, Carrie, should we even play the Gillette ad or no? Is it worth it? Uh, yeah, for anyone who hasn't seen it, why not play it? Play it. All right, so we'll, we'll uh, well, hello, uh, Disturbing Trends. Uh, so we will, um, let me go over here. I'm going to look awkward for a moment, but let me figure out if I can play this. All right. All right, for those of you who haven't seen the Gillette ad, even though... We're not going to focus on it too much. This is the kind of backdrop. Um, so here is, uh, we need a producer. If anyone ever would like to volunteer as a free producer, uh, we'll totally take you up on it. So, okay, here's the Gillette ad. Bullying. The Me Too the movement against sexual harassment. masculinity. Is this the best a man can get? Is it? We can't hide from it. It's been going on far too long. We can't laugh it off. Who's the daddy? What I actually think she's trying to say. Making the same old excuses. Boys will be boys. Boys will be boys. Boys will be boys. But something finally changed. Allegations regarding sexual assault and sexual harassment. And there will be no going back. Because we, we believe in the best in men. Men need to hold other men accountable. Smile, sweetie. Come on. To say the right thing. <laughs> to act the right um, way. Bro, not cool, not cool. Some already are. In ways big. Yo, men. And small. But some 
is not enough. So how do we treat each other, okay? Okay. Because the boys watching today will be the men of tomorrow. Buy our razors. Buy our razors. <laughs> uh, uh, hold on, Carrie. Let me make sure that you can be visible again. I had to force screen to be. So okay. uh, that was the Gillette ad. I, by now, I'm pretty sure everyone has has seen it. And if you haven't, now you have. Um, so this there was a lot of backlash uh, against this. And actually, I read an article by Mona Charon this morning, which disturbed me because she fell into this trap of... Uh, well, you know, there are some bad guys and they're just saying to not, you know, don't be one of the bad guys and that's fine. Um, and I think, um, you know, you really need to ask yourself when you feel, so when I watched that ad, I felt a certain way first. And then actually I had like an internal check mechanism, right? I had like a logic mechanism in my head that was like, well, wait a minute, step back and analyze. Are you just feeling this way because, uh, mm. you know, it's some bias you have. And so the the logic kind of check mechanism on my head originally was, well, gee, some men, gee, well, it turns out some men are bad, and gee, bullying is bad, and hmm, gee, maybe maybe I'm overreacting, right? But then you gotta you have to dig beyond that. Way, you can't. I think it's there. great that you even have that check mechanism because a lot of people don't. I mean, the fact that you're even stopping to do that, most people don't do that. They just have I don't like it or I do like it, and then they come up with reasons. They come up with reasons to justify that. So sure. I just want to sure. interject. Well, I mean, it is important. To, I, I think it's important to pay attention to your emotions and also like figure out what you're reacting to, right? So so I I, I had that check, but but then I still had this emotional reaction. So I was like, well, why the hell do I have this emotional reaction? And the question that I wanted to you know figure out was, is it is it a, an emotional reaction based on a problem with me or is it uh, when I, is, am I missing something in my rational analysis? And I think... If you have this approach that's like, well, some men are bad, blah, 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 you're missing something in the analysis of the video. And that is the picture that they paint um, of men generally. And a great tool when you're when you're confused about this kind of stuff, especially if it involves race or gender, a great tool is just to flip out the race or gender for something else yeah. and see like, gee, how does that seem? And as soon as you know, we made a parody video, which I'm not going to play, which a lot of people have seen, but you can go see it. It's it's a it's an ad for um, the Venus product, which is Gillette's Lady Razor, as Carrie likes to call it. Um, but uh, that makes well, it pretty clear, like, oh, if you did this to women, this would be a problem, right? Because I had if to read the script that make it for women, like to what you're saying. I had to make it for women, and it it makes it so much more obvious because then you're saying stuff like. Uh, uh, we believe in the best in women. Um, da, da, da. It's the whole thing about uh, some already are like doing the right thing. Like some women already are. Right, Some women are. Yeah. But some is not enough. I mean, you're indicting all women there. Pretty much all women. Right. And yeah, and also it, right, it sets the stage at the very beginning, regardless of almost, almost regardless of what happens at the end of the video where there's better behavior. Um, they've already set the stage at the beginning and they've set the stage by listing right bullying uh sexual harassment toxic masculinity right they're like and they're doing it with these guys who as stefan molyneux pointed out in his analysis they're doing it with these guys that actually aren't in demographics generally that abuse women right like it's mm -hmm. in like an old black guy how many old black guys 
abuse women. Like just, mm -hmm. it's not like a big problem. There's no, you know, if you want to talk about abusive women, um, I, and I don't, not to be, uh, too controversial, but we are called unsafe space. Uh, how about having some Muslims in there? Uh, how about we, how about we have some people have that represent actual misogynistic cultures? Well, I'll tell you um, why, because this is an, this is an ad and this gets to our larger topic today. This is an ad that's rooted in the SJW ideology. And as we know, within the SJW ideology, they divide everything into these groups of oppressed and oppressor uh, and which or privileged marginalized. And so they view, they put all of Muslims, including radical Islamists into the oppressed or the marginalized group. And so they will never, if, if it's part of this ideology, they will never address that. Um, right. Th this is my, the for, to the larger question, the thing about that, one of the things about the ad that was so interesting to me is that, and you and I were talking about this, a lot of people see stuff like this, like this controversy, like, you know, you had a friend you were talking to about this, who they'll see something like this and maybe not understand why it's such a big deal or it's getting so much attention and maybe not connect the dots to other big, like cultural flashpoint controversies. Um, all of those dots, a lot of those dots are connected because the reason this ad is a thing is, is this is a manifestation of a particular ideology having, having um, infiltrated or converged at incorporations. And so this, this ideology that used to be sort of, people would say, oh, it's relegated to academia. Uh, no, it's, it's in the mainstream now. That, that's what's really interesting to me is you, and this isn't the only one. This has been happening for at least two years. I first noticed woke ads like two years ago when I first yeah. started seeing them. Yeah. And, and so this, that's a great uh, segue to a clip I want to play, although I'll wait for a second to play the clip, but I have a clip of the uh, chief brand officer of Procter and Gamble who sp they own Gillette. And he spoke about this, um, their new campaign earlier this week. And this Gillette ad is just part of that campaign. They've got a kind of a broader campaign, but as you'll see, when I play the clip, he uses social justice language. He uses the word intersectionality. Mm -hmm. um, oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, it's, it's very intentional and, I, and, and why don't we, why don't we play it? And then, um, and then I actually do want to have, you know, the reason I want to talk about these commercials with you, Carrie, and this trend, and we'll play a few other commercials later. Um, I think what you said is really important that we, we view this as relegated to academia. So I want to dive into that in a little bit, but let's listen to what this guy says. Um, his name, let me find his name here. Uh, his name is Mark Pritchard. And he was speaking at CES, which is the Consumer Electronics Show in Vegas earlier this week. And let's see, where is he? All right. Here, here, here he is talking about their campaign. And one of the areas that we focused on is on equality, and in particular, racial equality. And that's where the Spotify Beach program was, where we're really stepping up on, on really trying to promote more equality, both in the... Um, the advertising and content that that we create, but also behind the camera, so we can really create much greater degree of equality, diversity, and inclusion um, throughout our entire creative supply chain. So that's where I see it going um, uh, in the the next um, round of work, and that's on race, but it's also on gender, it's also on sexuality, it's on really all intersectional equality. Um, what we're going to continue to do is to push forward to ensure that just a, at a minimum, uh, as an industry, we have the accurate and positive portrayal of gender, race, 
sexuality, cultures, religions. So we have much more diverse and inclusive view of the world. And because with that, that starts to become much more of a positive way in which we can go forward. And, um, and so the big initiatives we do on that front are the ANA's hashtag see her movement. Um, we have the UN Women on Stereotype Alliance. We now have the Alliance for Inclu ANA's Alliance for Inclusive and Multicultural Marketing initiative that is going to do the same thing that the see her um, program did. And we have free the bid, which is uh, you're familiar with is the way to get more women directors uh, behind the camera. So there's a lot of big industry efforts that, that are going on and we're going to continue to really push them forward over the course of the next year. We want everybody in the industry involved in these because if everybody in the industry is involved, it will truly change the way um, all people view the world. Wow. Can, can I first comments? <laughs> Cause I, yeah, it's my first ahead, time seeing this. Do your comments. For truly change the way that all people see the world. Okay. That, that is everything I need to know that tells me that SJW convergence has happened at Procter and Gamble. They, their number one priority now is getting uh, to truly change the the way that all people view see the world. To truly change the way, their number one priority is ideology. And if it's not, yes. they're pretending it is. If it's not, they're pretending it is. But their so their I number one priority is no longer what they're supposed to be selling products. It's like it's subverted what the goal of the company was. It's subverted profits even. Yeah, and and. Um this is really interesting and I, I don't know that we can tell if so first of all this is clear virtue signaling and and these ads are virtue signaling and i i, I just want to talk about that for a moment you know they're virtue signaling because corporate philanthropy so first of all it's an ad an ad by definition is signaling that's what it is you're talking about yourself um and you know it's virtue signaling because if you wanted to accomplish something good in the world through corporate philanthropy you don't need to have an ad about it. You can just go do it. Mm -hmm. um, if that really is your goal, you can just go focus on it. Go do so, it. Right. So this is virtue signaling. Now, mm -hmm. you may say, that's good. We need them to virtue signal if you're uh, on the left. But it is virtue signaling. And I was thinking about this. And I'm not sure we can tell the difference between um, disingenuous virtue signaling and virtue signaling for at least what the company may perceive as their own self-interest. And um, I thought about I thought about this because part of me wants to just say, yeah, it's a bunch of social justice warriors running the corporation, right? Um, but I don't believe that completely for two reasons. One is I don't believe social justice warriors are smart enough to run a corporation. And two, um, if you look at this guy, he's older. He graduated in like the mid 80s. He, he comes from a finance background. He, he doesn't, you know, he, he's been at Procter & Gamble, it looks like his entire career since he graduated college and he worked his way up from, from being like an accountant, dude. Um, it doesn't seem like, he doesn't fit the typical mold of like, he majored in women's studies at uh, Brown, right? That's, that's not who this guy is. And yet he's using this language. And I thought about why this might be, and I've got a theory, Carrie, and I, I'd like okay. to hear your thoughts on this. Um, Okay, the left is anti-capitalist. They hate capitalism, right? Uh, 
You can read the Antifa handbook. Anyone who's not a Marxist is a fascist. The left is, is explicitly anti-capitalist. And in particular, they have, it's not new that they vilify big companies. I mean, look at any Hollywood movie for the past three or four decades. Um, you'll It's hard to find one where a, a CEO, I mean, I guess maybe the, uh, the Iron Man stuff, but it's very rare where you have a CEO who's a hero or even even neutral. Usually, they're the evil devil. Even even uh, even Disney movies like uh, Monsters Incorporated, right? It's the it's the evil it's the evil guy who's hurting kids or whatever, right? So um, it's always corporations are always bad, and so the left hates corporations and um, explicitly, and so um, what they hate more than just a company is a successful company right? The left kind of can tolerate you. If you're baking cookies and kind of failing and barely struggling, that's okay. You're like a small business. They're okay with that. But as soon as you've got private jets and a, and a uh, executive suite bathroom, you're in trouble. You've like, you've, you're too successful. And Procter, mm -hmm. Ga Procter and Gamble definitely falls into the too successful category. So I think from the leftist perspective, they have already committed original sin, right? Which like, they're already guilty. They're guilty of being a successful company. So they're bad, 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 bad. Right. Um, now, no one on the right cares about that. People on the right generally aren't like, fuck Procter and Gamble because they're big. That's right. like not a thing. We're just like, yeah, I like the razors or whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. um, and maybe we roll our eyes and assume that they, you know, they got customer service like Comcast, so they kind of suck or whatever. But like, we don't think that they're evil by virtue of the fact that they're uh, big. And I think actually most normal people don't really automatically think that they're evil. Um, but the left does. And with the rise of the internet, the left has been very vocal. They're very vocal if they think a company is evil. And they they can drum up a lot of negative press and really hurt you. And they're so, like the moral majority of the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, on the so left. If, if I put myself, if I put my um, my chief brand officer hat on, like this guy Mark, and I think to myself, all right, who's the threat to our brand? Because this guy's in charge of their brand. Who's the threat to my brand? Well, there's not really much I can do to upset people in the middle or on the right. Or like, who's the most, who's the most angry, the most likely to like make a big stink and hurt my brand? Who are those people in the world? Well, that's the progressive left. It's the, it's the, it's the authoritarian progressive crazy leftists. Okay, how do I appease them? Well. I got to be one of them. I've got to virtue signal. I've got to say, yeah, 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 we're, we're a big company. We're successful, but we hate white guys too, right? We're, we're on your side and we're going we're gonna to push everyone to hate the right people for you. Um, and that's what this virtue signaling is all about. I think it might be just, um, it might be just corporate defense. Uh, I hear what you're saying. And I, I agree. I, I guess I, I don't think it matters much if he passionately believes in this ideology or not, because he believes in this ideology. Like he believes that it's it's big enough and it's mainstream enough that he has to also this company also has to um, take on this camouflage. They also have to be SJW. Like I, I, I it doesn't matter to me whether he, this this particular guy at Procter and Gamble goes home and reads bell hooks or not <laughs> like he just but he has uh like a lot of people who are now accepting sjw belief system or particular tenets of it they're just soaking it up by osmosis because it is becoming mainstream 
Um, and so, well, and because it has influence, or they're perceived that it will that will be that it will be a threat to them in some way, even if it's never actually mainstream. If they have an impact on my mainstream um, culture by being able to throw them under the bus for a misstep, right. then they want to avoid that, right? Right, but it will, but it is mainstream just by virtue of a huge corporation now preaching it. Whether they're they're preaching it to virtue signal, they're absolutely preaching it to virtue signal. I mean, in, in my article about the Gillette ad, I was like, yeah, of course, the intended right. audience for this ad are SJWs, or the intended audience are people who already believe part or all of the SJW ideology, people who believe yep. toxic masculinity is a thing. And those people, it's a hit with them. By the way, this ad is one of the ones that actually succeeded with the intended audience. They love it. Um, what's weird is they're, they're weirdly... Um, weirdly emotional and passionate about it, which is probably why they're trying to characterize anyone who doesn't like it as outraged because, I mean, that's a form of projection. They, they attach emotion to um, their own uh, opinions about it. So in conversations with some professional SJWs, like people who promote the ideology for a living, um, they don't view it as virtue signaling or manipulation or just, um, you know, using their own beliefs to market to them, they view it as something virtue, like absolute, like this company is doing something great. And I'm like, no, they're trying to sell you razors. And the fact that you love it so much means they were successful. They pushed your right buttons. Like you're so, yeah, I, I love how you just added like buy our razors, like adding that phrase <laughs> at the end. is just like a, a very clear, like, Oh yeah. This is a fucking razor commercial. <laughs> yes. I forgot. Right? They're trying to sell you razors. But one other quick thing. I know I'm talking a lot about this. But this, no, when good. I first started noticing these ads two years ago, um, well, well, just to preface this. So there was this great tweet uh, by Clay Routledge um, that said, we are living in an era of woke capitalism in which companies pretend to care about social justice to sell products to people who pretend to hate capitalism. <laughs> Like there's a lot of truth to that probably. There's a lot of truth to that. And so when I, um, when I first started noticing the woke ads beyond just recognizing that they were parroting my ideology to me or my old ideology, I was in transition at that time. Um, what I also noticed was that on social media, almost all of my SJW friends fell for it. Hook, line and sinker. Like it worked. It pushed their buttons. It triggered what it was supposed to. And so I saw people during the Super Bowl two years ago when uh, I think we're going to show this ad, but Procter and Gamble did the, uh, the ad called the talk, which was about racism. It's not yep. about their products or anything. It's just about, Hey, racism guys. It's just virtue and signal. It's just Straight total up virtue empty signal. virtue yep. signaling. If you believe this is important, please like us. And it worked. All these SJWs in my feed are like, guys, I'm crying right now because of this commercial. I'm like, right. you're sharing a Procter and Gamble commercial. Like that's genius. <laughs> they got you yeah. who supposedly hates capitalism to share their frigging commercial. Like what is going on? Like the, it, yeah. anyway, that, I just, that blew my mind and I'm still fascinated by it. I'm still, yeah. like, it's, yeah. it's all, this is very interesting to me. I do think though, you're right to say, it doesn't really matter whether they believe it or they're just parroting it and spouting it because eventually um, uh, it's kind of like, uh, the emperor who, the emperor was it? emperor with wears no clothes or the emperor without no clothes. any clothes. Yeah. I forget the name of the exact name, but anyway, the emperor without any clothes, uh, right. Other companies, people look at that in the marketplace and they're like, well, Procter and Gamble says this. And so that we're going to do it. And like, it, it's, um, it, uh, 
it, it will create its own reality, right? It will become true even if it's not true to start. Um, oh, yeah, because now it. you've got a major company endorsing a made-up concept, a tenet of SJW ideology, which is toxic masculinity, um, which makes it more of a thing. Now, I was like, been, I've been arguing the past few days with people who um, are in the arguments they they're presupposing that toxic mass that we both agree it's a thing. And I'm like, no, 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 you, right. back up there. I don't. And, but this is a tacit endorsement of that ideology and that, that this is a, a, a real phenomenon that we should address and that we should name it this way. And that there's no harm in calling, calling masculinity toxic. Right. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think, um, you know, a couple of people in the chat have said things like, uh, you know, every purchase is a vote and these people will eventually turn on them. And, and that that may be true. I mean, look, if the progressive left gets their way, there's not going to be a Procter and Gamble because they they'll institute Marxism and it will become state run and your razors will suck and you'll wait in razor lines with a razor chit or something. I don't know. Um, so, like, yeah, I mean, they're not they're not actually supporting the company in the long term, but in the short term, um, you know, I, I think maybe the execs are like, hey. You know, we've got to do this, and then eventually it will become accepted, and 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 it will become a thing. But uh, you can't stop buying them. I mean, I uh, I switched to Dollar Shave Club. <laughs> I don't know if they're any better, but at least they uh, at least they don't uh, say overtly that they're they're not virtue signaling to I, about social justice. So if they start doing that, I guess uh, I don't know. I'll switch to straight ragers or just like grow out a. I already think they're better because their Twitter feed the day that this all erupted their twitter feed said it just said welcome to the club and that's all that's all they had to say they didn't have to reference gillette or anything i thought that was a great sense of humor like they yeah. knew that guys are coming there welcome to the club so you wanted to talk about a couple other ads and you noticed something you actually also wanted to talk about uh man i've got notes here there's so much to talk about here i know uh, we might have to go over today oh i, I think we're totally going <laughs> to go over especially because we're playing ads right yeah um before we, I want to get back into, eventually I want to get back into this discussion about like how this ideology metastasized out of universities, but let's play, there's a couple other ads that you wanted to play, including a couple that didn't work, um, yes. that the, they, that, um, the companies maybe thought that they were doing good virtue signaling, but backfired. So Carrie, the four that you, you mentioned a few, um, what do you want me to play next? I'll just play whatever well, you want next. Okay. So this is very interesting. And I've been asking people this and for the most part, when I, like one professional SJW told me that something was wrong with me and I was sexist because I laughed at the Gillette ad <laughs> and I was like, really? But, uh, what about the Pepsi ad? Did you laugh at the Pepsi ad? And he never responded. He never responded because you know what? The Pepsi ad bombed with SJWs. Um, so why don't we play that one? That was one where, see, the Gillette ad is an SJW ad that worked with the target audience, which is SJWs. The right. the Pepsi ad was an SJW ad that bombed with the audience. So it bombed with everyone, resoundingly. I think I know why. So let's uh, let's watch let, it. Let's play it, and we'll see. Uh, we'll see. So hold on here. Uh, da, da, da. Let's see the Pepsi ad. With, uh, what's her name? Something Jenner. I don't remember her name. Okay, you ready? Mm-hmm.
We should mention okay. that's that's not the original ad. Uh, I sent you that one by mistake. That's different. Somebody oh. added music. To, I mean, it's the ad, but it's the wrong music. I think that the original song is has a Jenner song to it or something. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I wouldn't have know. noticed anyway. But okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, why do you think it failed? Because I have I have a theory. I am okay. I'm not sure. I've been thinking. I, mean, about I can, it a I can lot. tell you my theory if you don't. If you don't want to go, I don't want to put you on the spot. Um, well, one of my friends on Twitter gave me his theory, which I thought. Well, tell me yours first. Well, I went through a bunch of ads. I went through like ten to twelve ads, and the two that failed the most. And so, what I did with each one is I extracted what I thought the real message of the ad was. And the two that failed most had a clearly different message to me, and so that became pretty obvious for the. Um, there was like an Audi ad. There was a Procter and Gable talk ad. Um, the message, the message for um, these ads was basically for the Audi ad. It was like society is harsh and unfair towards women because it's sexist. That was yes. the message. And right? that one did well for, with the target audience. Right. Right. For the Gillette ad, it was like talk masculinity is toxic and men should be better. Right. That's the theme. Right. Um, for the Pepsi ad, if you look at it, first of all, um, the protest. It's not clear what it is. They, the signs say like peace and join the conversation. They're not actually, it's, it's, uh, they're being pussies because they're not actually touching on any issue. They're just like ah. saying people are kind of protesting, but not about anything particular. We don't know what. They're also like oddly happy and like, what it's not really, a, it's like a, it's almost a festival rather than a protest. And right. the message, the overall message is that Pepsi fixes everything, right? Pepsi heals the, the the um, discord between the cops and the protesters. Pepsi make the the woman can't find a good shot, right? But so she's out with her camera, and like Pepsi fixes that. Pepsi fixes everything. That's the <laughs> that's the message, right? And then their big statement at the end is "Live bolder, live louder, live for now," which is like there's nothing social justice about that. It's overtly an advertisement for Pepsi, and it's claiming that Pepsi solves a bunch of problems, which they're too afraid to even mention what the problems are. Okay, um, I, so I get your, that why it failed. 
you're a genius. I, I now I understand why the Dodge because I rewatched the Dodge Martin Luther King Jr. one because that's a second one that bombed. The Pepsi failed one for the bombed. same reason. Yeah. for the same reason um you, this ad okay is not explicitly sjw enough it's not it's kind of like get out there and protest but about what it doesn't have it's not like coming down on any it's not particularly well, and also, ideological but also the center is the is the is selling the product right yeah. like it wants it tries to show you that pepsi is a solution to something similarly the dodge commercial is like martin luther basically the message of the the dodge commercial i don't know if we have to show it, but we can the, yeah. the message is like Martin Luther King preached about service. Dodge Rams are built for service. Therefore, he would like you to buy a Dodge Ram, which is like, oh, oh okay. Like, you know, it's like it's it's a very overt like buy a Pepsi, it'll fix everything. Buy a Dodge Ram because Martin Luther King liked it. But the ads that did well are like the brand is in the background. It, nothing. There's nothing about razors in the Gillette ad. There's nothing right. about cars in the Audi ad. There's it, nothing about that at all. It's just like, hey, Virtue Signal. Here's our logo. The end. The end. You're right. They're not. That's why I think adding buy our razors to it is so funny because you're reminding people this is an ad and that's part of their gimmick is to make you think it's not an ad. Like we just really care about racism and or we really care about toxic masculinity and we're going to do a little short. They called it a short film. <laughs> right. right. That's the most pretentious <laughs> thing ever. It's called a short film. <laughs> But that's okay. how they view themselves, right? And and whether it's whether it's uh, fake or not doesn't matter. That's how they're presenting themselves, right? Um, and so, like you said, you got a bunch of these people who actually hate capitalism. Um, probably would be horrified to see uh, razors actually being made and industry happening um, and, okay, and so, business. But so but hey, a great virtue signaling. I think I think this is the real reason. I think you're right. I think this is the real reason why the Dodge MLK one failed and the Pepsi one failed is a, it's not a two reasons. It's not explicitly SJW enough. Um, like the Dodge ad was not about racism. It, it, they were, they were about, they were using Martin Luther King's uh, words about service, which, yeah. and if you, one of the things that SJWs hate is when you use Martin Luther King and you don't talk about, you don't use it in the way that they want. I'll put it that way. Um, right. So anyway, my friend who, who uh, one of my friends did answer why he thought these two failed. His answer was different. His was that, um, that gender is easier than race. And because, because with gender, um, most people have like, like, a, like little girls grow up with boys in their lives or with men in their lives. So, but with race, it's like, it, if you're white, you're usually growing up or, presumably with just white people around you in your family, immediate family or black, presumably black people. And so the idea I've heard this, put this but that idea doesn't, put, that doesn't, that doesn't drive though, because uh, the Procter and Gamble, the talk ad did well and it's about race. Exactly. Explicitly. That's so, what I was going to say um, is the talk ad did great. And that's about race. So, so yep. it, it's not just that quote, gender's easier than race. And and by the way, I don't think it is easier because. No, because that, that's the, kind of a, that's a, I think that's a lazy analysis, but that's a separate issue. Well, it, it yeah, it, this one though I think is I think this gets more to the truth of the matter is that it, the, these two ads are not explicitly SJW enough and they show the products too much. Right. Gillette doesn't Although show the someone in the chat had another theory about the Pepsi ad which is kind of interesting. <laughs> Said the message is to chill and SJWs don't want to chill out like you're supposed to be more <laughs> angry like don't tell me to chill out. Hey, don't give me a Pepsi and tell me everything will be okay. That's bad. Um so I, there's probably some legitimacy to that. Uh <laughs> as well 
But can um, we show? Can we show just the, a clip of the MLK Dodge one so people know the other one that we're talking about that failed? I can't do clips well, but I'll just show the whole thing. We okay. can go over. It's fine. So let me. Uh, let's find the MLK Dodge one. By the way, I also have the queued up. I also have the the Saturday Night Live fake one. Yeah. I kind of I kind of want to see, but okay. Here's Dodge. And uh, here, here they are selling you their trucks. If you want to be important, wonderful. If you want to be recognized, wonderful. If you want to be great, wonderful. But recognize that he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. That's a new definition of greatness. By giving that definition of greatness, it means that everybody can be great. You don't have to know about Plato and Aristotle to serve. You don't have to know the theory of relativity to serve. You don't have to know the second theory of thermodynamics in physics to serve. You only need a heart full of grace. Soul generated by love. So there you have it. Um, now, I have a controversial opinion on this ad because I went through and I actually, upon rewatching it, I don't have a lot of problems with this one. I mean, because they're explicitly selling me a Dodge. Yeah. And I'm glad that they're being overt about the fact that they're commercial unlike Gillette, which is trying to pretend like they're not. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't have a problem with it either. I actually yeah. don't have a problem with the Pepsi ad. I don't think it's a very good ad, but no. I don't care. Yeah. It doesn't offend me. But like um, if, if you're just trying to like on YouTube, do I vote up or down for ads? <laughs> I was like, meh, this is pretty good. They're talking about service. They found some relevant quotes of his about being of yeah. service. I really actually love that quote of his that the best leaders are servants. So. The, the problem with using that speech, and this is what some of the, the people who are more familiar with Dr. King uh, articulated, is that also in that speech, he rails against consumerism. This um, is true. And so uh, using it, using that particular speech to sell a truck uh, it's is craven. Uh, yeah. I, and, and, you know, <laughs> Dr. King. I, I guess I can say something sacrilegious, but like, I don't like a lot of what he said. I mean, there's a lot of great things he said. Uh, judge a person by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. Great. I'm I'm down with that. I'm down with a lot of what he did. But uh, I don't agree with a lot of his politics. And I don't think he was great. He was anti-capitalist in many ways. And so, um, but I think what's happened is um, because he was assassinated and the same thing happened with JFK, he's been deified to some extent, Right. Um, JFK has also been deified. It's like people like he was a shitty president, um, but he died prematurely. He was killed. So we kind of deify JFK. Um, and I think that's happened with Martin Luther King to some extent. And I also saw some people talking about some people who were really uh, familiar with him who were basically anti-capitalist. Like, I agreed with him. And I agree with them on this. They basically said, look, Dr. King's legacy has been whitewashed. It's been made palatable to kind of regular, you know, um, mainstream society, which wouldn't really like a lot of the anti-capitalist sentiment that he's got. And I think they're right. He has been, that has been whitewashed to some extent and made. Well, that, that may be right, but so. I disagree with you that it's simply deification, like with JFK. I think he, 
I think his words, his speeches, his ideas did a lot to change our society. Oh, I'm not, I'm not arguing that at right. all. I'm not, oh. I'm not arguing that at all. I'm not trying to take that away from But him. I don't think JFK's did. You know, like I think. No, no, no. I, obviously, right. yeah. If I had, if someone, yes. If I had to choose between Martin Luther King and JFK, uh, I would. Uh, Their ideas. I, I would absolutely choose uh, Martin Luther King, right? Um, so, yeah, yeah. But although depends if I could get to be friends with Marilyn Monroe because I was on JFK's short his short call list, then maybe. All right. Um, so. <clears throat> apparently jordan uh peterson says uh get woke to go broke uh oh, maybe he doesn't say that but i like the phrase get woke to go broke um so anyway so those are those ads i don't know that we i guess the only one, other one so that one didn't work uh the the martin luther king ad for dodge didn't work and i think it's the same basic reason right they're trying to sell trucks too overtly. The one that did work about race, I guess we can play one last ad if you want. We don't have to, but um, is the Procter & Gamble, the talk ad. Um, it might be good to play it just for context, though. Why don't I play it? Play that one, and I do think we should play the Audi one. Or is it Audi? The one Audi. with the Audi. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know is cars. It the, is it the daughter <laughs> one, the father with the daughter? That's what you're thinking? Yes, the daughter. Yeah, okay, so let's play. Uh, what did I just say I was going to play? Uh, where is it? Yeah, yeah, sorry. There it is. All right, here we go. Who said that? The lady at the store. That is not a compliment. Listen, it's an ugly, nasty word, and you are going to hear it. Nothing I can do about that. But you are not going to let that word hurt you. You hear me? There are some people who think you don't deserve the same privileges just because of what you look like. It's not fair. It's not. Remember, you can do anything they can. Difference is you got to work twice as hard and be twice as smart. Come straight home after practice. You got your ID? Guess I stopped you. How's your review? We're good. You good? Yeah. You see? We're good. Okay. Good. Now, when you get pulled over, um, I'm a good driver. Okay. Baby, don't worry. This is not about you getting a ticket. This is about you not coming home. I'm going to be okay. Right? Okay. It's not fair. But you keep showing up. You are not pretty for a black girl. You are beautiful, period. Okay? Don't ever forget that. Okay. So again, so, this is not a this is a commercial that's pretending like it's not a commercial. Right, and I want to acknowledge something here about uh, actually uh, this one more so than the Gillette. The Gillette one was just annoying. Um, there's some really touching moments in this one, right? I mean, the 
they they pull your heartstrings really well. The, yes. For me, the, the most touching thing is the girl that, that um, and the mom at the beginning and then at the end and seeing like what was said, right? It like gives you chills. It's like, oh my God, that's right. It's very yeah. touching. Um, so decent people are are touched. And and I think they're 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 doing some this is a logical fallacy um called the package deal, right? Where they're they bring in some things that are valid so that decent people go, yeah, that is a problem, right? And then they package it up with something that's invalid. And uh, the examples I'll give are black people do not have to worry about being pulled over and killed by police. That is a myth. The numbers do not support it. They are just about as likely to get struck by lightning, um, especially black women. Um, I mean, th there's something like 74% of the people who get shot by cops actually have a, like, it's because the cops are responding to them, shooting at them or like the, uh, attacking them in some way. Um, if you're if you're a black person worried about violence, it's much more likely to come from uh, other black people in your community than it is to come from cops. And the in fact, the entire idea that there's a bias in the police force has been, you know, it's very hard to actually uh, look at this in many ways, but that's been debunked when you actually look at statistics. So uh, a lot of this comes from, there was an example in, uh, I think I may have talked about this before, but there was an example in New Jersey on the New Jersey Turnpike where blacks were being given tickets at uh Yeah, you've rate, mentioned this one before. Yeah, I'll, I'll say it again though, just yeah. in case people haven't heard, a rate disproportional to the percentage of the population that they were. I don't remember the numbers, so I'm gonna make the numbers up, but it was something like, let's say they are 16% of the population in New Jersey, but they're getting tickets 25% of the time or 23% of the time, right? And so um, the, 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 Highway Patrol was accused of being racist and pulling over blacks. Well, Highway Patrol did something unusual, which is they said, well, why don't you study it? And so someone, they, they asked, I think the US Department of, uh, they asked someone to study it, some external group, I don't remember who. Um, and the external group studied it. And what they did was they just put cameras up and they counted speeders. And then they had people, um, independent panels uh, kind of, review whether the they thought the driver was black or not, right? Um, without any knowledge of the speed they were going. And it turned out that the black drivers in New Jersey sped a lot more than the white drivers in New Jersey. In fact, they should have been getting tickets at about 25%. They had been under ticketing black people uh, slightly. So, but that kind of, that, those kind of follow-up studies are never talked about um, because the narrative needs to be that the world is out to get you because you're black. Everyone hates you. You've got to, what is the quote in the thing? You got to work twice as hard and be twice as smart. Right. And the, and the, and the, and in terms of, um, being killed or whatever, right. The, the mom turns to the daughter and she's like, you know, let's talk about when you get pulled over and the daughter's like, I'll be okay. Right. Well, right. so it's like, will I be okay? I don't know. Those nasty cops are going to pull me over and shoot me. And that is a complete boogeyman. That is, that is a complete myth. Well, these myths are, I've been doing a lot of thinking about why these myths, why they push these myths, right? And I believe just like in the Audi ad that we're about to watch where there are some myths about women um, that I think they're supposed to keep different um quote, identity groups in fear um, so yes. that you are looking to the state to save you or you were looking to maybe a particular political party to save you or you were looking to like a certain like an ideology to save you. It makes it makes it more attractive. if It's like 
you are being um, targeted, just trust us and we will do something about that. And, right. um, but what right. it does is it creates a, well, let's, let's play the Audi ad. Cause I think these two are very similar in some ways. They are. I think, I think you're right. They are. And because, although I would say the Audi ad, we'll play it in a sec here. The Audi ads almost even more um, over at least this ad. First of all, uh, they both touch you very, uh, your heartstrings, but this ad mixes some legitimate concerns, like kids getting called names or whatever. Like there is some of that. It does happen. Not as much as they claim it happens, but like that's, Oh you yeah, for anyone watching, like, I, I don't know, I'm not sure about you, Carter, but racism exists. And yeah. I'm not, when I talk about the myth or whatever, that's not what I'm talking about. Racism exists. Um, and they do include like, like, like you said, something that is anecdotal, but definitely happens. Like you've got someone who's being called a racist name at school or being what have you. And sure. they do pull the heartstrings and then wrap it, like you said, with something that's not actually true, which is a, like in this society, you have to worry about being uh, killed because you're black while driving. Um, right. Right. They sell a big fear with things that actually do exist. Um, right. So they, so, take, but, they take little things that everyone can kind of nod their head to and relate to. Like, yeah, yeah. it sucks to be said you're you're attractive for a white or for a black girl, right? That's mm -hmm. that isn't a compliment. It's it's rude. You're just attractive or whatever. That I don't know. If and it's racist, is the word, right? Or pretty, yeah. I guess is the word, right? It is racist, right? Um, and I'm sure there are people who say that, right? Uh, and, but it's hard to make it, it's hard to get all excited about just those kind of things. It's like, yeah, that's horrible. Let's end it. Uh, okay. It's a lot easier to get you excited once you we're pulled in by that. And then you're like, oh, like your kid might not come home because a, a cop might pull them over and shoot them. It's like, oh, that's, that's a serious issue. Right. Um, and they've, they've packaged them up. So like you said, let's do. I will pull up the uh, Audi ad. <clears throat> Where is it? All right, here we go. What do I tell my daughter? Do I tell her that her grandpa's worth more than her grandma? Why would you tell her that? <laughs> that her dad is worth more than her mom? Do I tell her that despite her education, her drive, her skills, her intelligence, she will automatically be valued as less than every man she ever meets? No, don't tell her that. <laughs> or maybe I'll be able to tell her something different. Sorry, maybe I cut it off too early there, but uh, no, it's fine. I, I, Carter, this ad that, that one again. It yeah, so look, I'm, I'm a dad, right? So it's like my heart strings a little bit. I'm like, oh, I'm a dad of a of a girl, right? So I'm like, oh, she's doing her derby race, and there's the you know the fat white mean boys or the competition for some reason. Okay, fine, right? Um, but then it's like. It, to me, it's not as powerful as the Proctor get um, the Proctor talk ad because they don't lead with anything true. He's just like, "What should I tell my daughter?" No, outright no, 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 no. Lie number one, outright no, lie says, number two. He says, "I don't know if you muted me during it, but I have an, a reaction to this that just it cracks me up because he's like, 
should I tell my daughter that her grandfather is worth more than her grandmother? I'm like, no, why would you tell her that? <laughs> it's terrible. Well, that's also like, not true. That's also not, not true, that's but, not true. But that's why it's funny because it's like, why would you tell her that? You're acting as if that's something you're supposed to tell your daughter. Where he's like, should I tell her that no matter her accomplishments and what she does, that she'll always be valued less than a man? No, why would you tell her that? Because that's not true. Right. That's <laughs> that's my point. There's no, they don't draw you in with anything legitimate. They're just like, should I tell her bullshit one or bullshit two? Right? At least in the in the in the Procter and Gamble ad, it's like, uh, hey, this is a real problem, and you can nod and be like, yeah, 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 and then and then they have to then they go and say the stuff that's not true. But well, this ad, he, he just starts off with like, should I? It's, it's I almost feel like he's like, should I tell my daughter she's really bad at math and ugly, so she'll never be a really hot physicist? I'm like, no. You, you shouldn't if they had wrapped it in if they had wrapped the big package lie in with um some actual in the commercial like if they had had a boy say something sexist to her or her come home from school and tell her mom while her mom brushed her hair or something sexist that ha you know then then they get you with the heartstrings there that this is that is sexism and that sucks that somebody would say that right but then and then wrap it in with this idea that the gender pay gap exists um which is the big lie the big myth um but right. they but they didn't do that. So it, you're right. It's not as touching as the other one. But I think that they're similar in that they're just like they're one is like racism and the other is sexism. But they don't and they're pretending like they're not a commercial. It, it's absolute virtue signaling. And yeah. And but but I don't know this one. I still just find this one very funny. I know I'm sure people like yeah. it because the the social justice warriors don't need to be drawn in like that. I just think it would you know it's probably less effective at drawing in people who don't already think that right, right. um but uh you know someone pointed out this that ad actually might be true in saudi arabia which is both true and funny um but also there's a there's a point there which is poignant i think if if the, so so one thing i noticed about all these ads it's it's uh it's not social justice generally it's it's very specific race and gender are the two most important things and i don't know if there's more about social justice or if those are just the two main things um but they're it's very focused on white man bad that's like almost all of the messages are some variant of either men bad white men bad white bad something something along those lines um but uh if you actually care about those issues if you care about gender in particular you would be not attacking western civilization which for all the arguments that they may make about patriarchy treats women better than they've ever been treated anywhere else in any other society in history and are being treated now. So go to Saudi Arabia if you have a problem. Say, didn't they Attack just the get people the right didn't they just get the right to drive in Saudi Arabia women? Right. Right. <laughs> Attack the people who like foist female genital mutilation on people and like there's got to be a witness for you to, to declare rape or you know say you're like or five five male witnesses or whatever it is like some ridiculousness right um it's uh it's so transparently uh fake right they, the the social justice warriors don't i would argue they don't actually even care about these issues because if they really cared about these issues on the global scale and they position themselves as people who care globally right if they really cared about this in the global scale they would be going after the the more racist and misogynist elements around the globe whereas you know the us is like at the bottom you're scraping the bottom of the barrel there right yeah there's racism and some sexism but you know th there's plenty of other places to start with way bigger problems
You, I was just thinking that that would make a really, um, it really, it would rhyme if they did Aldi in Saudi Arabia. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> you could <probably laughs> it. They should have their own hat. Um, Were you in comedy? What happened? <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> hey, I get that. That's an insult. I get it. I'm mansplaining. <laughs> I'm man insulting. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, let's let's talk really quickly about okay. um there's I'm I'm looking through this list. There's actually a couple other ads. I don't want to play any anyone uh, other one. One of them's not an ad that really but it still really uh bothered me. It was by Care Norway. It was a Norwegian thing and it was all um it was all about again, it got me probably cuz I was a dad. It was all a, a, a preborn daughter talking to her dad um about like I know you want to take care of me. Will you do these things? But um, the the message, the underlying message was one of the worst I've seen. Um, the, the message of the whole thing was basically any man could be a rapist and a, and, and a domestic abuser. You never know. The, Mr. Wright, he was perfect, but turned out he's a, he beats me. And dad, your, your, your friend who makes, who, who calls women's, women whores sometimes as a joke well, that made his son rape me in a taxi when I was 21. It's like, it's this ridiculous, like, um, equation of, uh, kind of, I won't say everyday use. Cause like most guys don't going around saying like women are whores and cunts. Right. But, mm -hmm. um, and actually you and I talked about this earlier, right? Most, most people don't ever say that they say it out about a specific person as a derogatory term because they're angry at them. Um, so like, uh, who was that? Wasn't Sarah Silverman? Didn't someone just call Sarah Sanders a cunt or so? Oh no, Samantha B. Right. Um, uh, right. So here's something Ivanka. I still believe though. Okay. I, I mean, I'm still, there are feminist beliefs that I still agree with. And I do believe, um, there, I mean, there are, there are more gendered insults for sure. women than there are men. I mean, you don't, the, sure. you know, if you look at all the different, um, slurs for women or that are associated with women's uh, genitals or what have you. like, there's a lot of insults around uh, being Absolutely. a woman. Um, Absolutely. And uh, so I don't, I just, I just wanted to make that point. I think there's a reason for that though. That's, that makes sense. Frankly, uh, I think it's because women attack each other passive aggressively and men attack each other directly. So men invent insults to, to yell at each other and Women don't. They just like pretend to be your friend and stab you in your back. They're not. They're not about direct language attacks. So why do um, all the insults that men create then, if that's the theory, why are they all gendered towards feet? Why are they female? Oh, that's that to me is also obvious, right? Because one of the things, because the, the, we've talked about the, the essence of masculinity, right? Strength is one of the perceived masculine features, and being a non-man is an insult, right? Being a, like being feminine is an insult. So like. If you say there was another ad I watched where it was like, if you, you know, if you say you throw like a girl, they're not, they, they don't, you don't say that to women and you don't say that to girls, but you do say it to guys as an insult. I'm not saying it's a great idea to say it. I'm just like painting the picture of what happens. Right. So when guys say it, it's a way of saying like, you're weaker than the rest of us. You're that other gender. You're not up to your masculine standards. Right. And guys are very direct and they they are aggressive and they make jabs at each other. And that's why they develop language around this, which is and gendered language is a good way to do it, because um, it's kind of saying like you're you're the other gender. You're not you're 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 failing so poorly at this 
this innately masculine thing or something perceived as innately masculine that you're you're uh, you're failing. Like, and like that's why also um, they'll say like you know you're crying like a little girl or whatever it is, right? Um, like they say that to men, they don't say it to women. Well, I don't have a huge problem with it, but I do think it's sexist. I don't know if I don't I don't think it's sexist. I would disagree with you on that because yeah. I, I think it's rooted in truth, right? Carter, you are denying my very right to humanity right now. Okay. I'm I'm erasing <laughs> your we can talk about that later. That will be actually a good discussion. Cause I don't okay. I I don't actually use that language much myself. Mm -hmm. But um, I never say things like you throw like a girl. Like that's not something I would say. I might call a woman uh, a bitch if she's being a bitch. Um, but uh, uh, I, I don't use those other things. But I also don't view them as inherently sexist. So uh, we can I do, have that. But I, I, I do, but I just wanted to make clear that I'm not, I don't really believe you're invalidating my humanity. I was making fun because that's a standard SJW uh, thing. Oh, I know. Yeah, okay. I'm sure everyone knows that, but maybe not. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, anyway. Um, I guess, I guess what I should do, I should prepare for that discussion. I should think about all of the, uh, all the tools that women use to jab at each other and, uh, figure out if there's any that seem sexist that I can throw. Oh, back well, women will use those words themselves. And I think we've seen, I don't want to get too far afield, but, um, just a short five to six years ago, it was not cool for SJWs to use those sexist words against women, even if they didn't like the women. So for example, a, a comic I worked with was calling um, Sarah Palin a cunt. And we got a lot of pushback from SJWs, from feminists on the left who are like, you can't do that, even though she's a conservative, like it's sexist. Like they were, they were more, they were more uh, intellectually consistent back then. But in the past yeah. two years, since Trump was elected, all of that's out the window. Now you have now you have prominent feminists on Twitter calling conservative women those names. You have uh, Samantha Bee calling Ivanka Trump that word. You have they they they've become so hypocritical now. Whereas it's like you used to say you couldn't use those gendered insults because it's sexist, but now it's fine for you to use them if the target is a woman who doesn't agree with your belief system. So is it I just out of before we move on? Is it okay mm -hmm. to call a guy a dick? Is that okay? According to SJWs. According to you. Um, I think it's okay. I think it's okay. And I think it's okay to call women and a woman any of these things too. I just think it's sexist. You can call, so I mean, you, I've, I've so been you called would say that's sexist. to call a man a dick. Yeah. I don't know. I'd have to think more about that. All right. Well, you think on that and then we'll have a conversation once you've, uh, once you've rooted out all the hypocr hypocrisy. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's, uh, let's talk more about these. So I, we were talking about how, and, and I really want to get into this, these ideas metastasize from universities. And, um, you know, I actually ended up having, because of we were having this show, I ended up having a conversation with my daughter about this, who was asking about like, she actually asked a very innocent question, which I think not, a lot of, not enough of us ask, which is, why is a razor company caring about social justice? <laughs> like, why is a razor company doing this? Aren't they, like, why is that a razor company? Um, and it's, it sounds kind of like a silly, like childlike question until you step back and realize like there's validity to that. Why the hell is a razor company do this, doing this? And, um, and I think what's happened uh, is we've, we've had this thing, you know, I, I don't want to get too much into history, right? But I am going to back up quite a bit and give us some sweeping statements and then get your responses, your response to this. So 
Um, you know, we had <clears throat> the industrial revolution happened kind of on the back of Aristotle and John Locke and like the, the kind of on the enlightenment, this, this philosophy, um, philosophy was, 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 um, pretty rational and, um, <clears throat> scientific focus. We just call it the scientific revolution. Right. And society started to get very rich off of this and people started to, you know, we invented steam engines and whatever. Um, and started to build an industrial society and our wealth skyrocketed. And I think what happened was a lot of, a lot of people, um, the need for philosophy started to die off. Like we don't really, should I go major in philosophy or should I start a car company? Like I'll start a car company. Like that's the philosophies kind of doesn't matter. And, and so I think, um, universities just started ignoring the philosophy department. Like no one really cared. And we had enough wealth that it wasn't a big drain on resources to pay some philosophers to sit in a corner and think about stuff and spew some nonsense. And they're kind of entertaining when they come out and try and convince you the ceiling doesn't exist or whatever. So um, it didn't just kind of seemed harmless. Um, but over generations, what happened was, uh, first of all, if you look at like the, the science and engineering fields, think about the, the number of college majors, the, the types of college majors. In the science and engineering groups, there's been some increase in in them, but to a large extent, it's been it's been a mild increase over the last 200 years, right? You always had physics and chemistry and math and and biology, and we you know we've added computer science and like you've always had mechanical engineering and electrical engineering, but like we started to add a few things, but there's not in the hard sciences there hasn't been a massive expansion. In the humanities, um, there has been. So you they've What's happened is, I think, we we ignored the philosophy departments, who went off, by the way, they were all resentful about, a lot of them were Marxist, massively resentful about the fact that the state was losing power as individuality, like, the you know, individual rights were coming online, and you had a country like America, um, where the state had decreased power and individuals had more rights. And so they started trying to justify the existence of the state. Some of them were worried about religion, so they started to justify, they tried to use philosophy to justify uh, religion, although not well. Um, and so you get people like Immanuel Kant, right, who who explicitly trying to justify the state. He was very influential. And there was a, a lot of other philosophers before and after him that had uh, were in a similar vein. Marx comes out of all of this eventually. Right. And you get um, you get this 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 group of philosophers who are absolutely ridiculous, like no one. At face value, if you ask them to explain their philosophy, it's like, well, well reality's not really here, and you can't perceive reality because you perceive it. And but the, by virtue of the fact that you see things, it means you're not seeing the thing because you have a mechanism of seeing it. None of it makes any fucking sense. It's stupid. It's ridiculous. It's all built to be anti-enlightenment. But we ignored it for a really long time, and and but we ignored it at our own expense, and it festered in the humanitarian in the humanity departments in universities, and it slowly started to take over other humanity departments. So when the English people had questions about morality, they went to the philosophers. When the psychologists, which is kind of a pseudoscience, but whatever, psychologists, I won't say pseudoscience is an insult. It's a cross between science and humanities. I'll say right. Uh, they they would go to the philosophers with moral questions, and and this is the kind of answers they would get. And, and then they started to invent, well, let's invent a concept of social justice. Let's have majors in women's studies and black studies. And let's, let's, um, let's rewrite history and let's, let's, and education, let's take over education. And so eventually we got to a point where 
you know, I think a lot of us who are older, we look at universities and we're like, yeah, that's those crazy people in universities, but it's confined to universities. Don't worry. It's just crazy. They've always been there. There's always been the pot smoking existentialists saying ridiculous things in the philosophy department. But now they have it, they have metastasized and it's taken over. So now if you want to go hire someone in the humanities, let's say you want to hire someone in the HR department or you want to hire someone in advertising, they're very likely to have been indoctrinated in really, really ridiculously bad philosophy that if you heard it on the surface would be would be laughable. Um, but it's um, it's buried in um, Marxist ideology. Like it's it precedes Marxism, and it's Marxism relies on ridiculous philosophy in order to function. So it's you know you see it manifest in in kind of Marxist beliefs, but also kind of ridiculous philosophic beliefs that people don't really think about. And and then they kind of go out in the world, and so you're naturally going to start getting in your HR departments and your um, marketing departments and sales and anything that's non technical you're going to start seeing really bad ideology seep into business. And uh, I know I painted a, a picture that sounds pretty bleak, but I think that's where we are. It's not confined to universities. And actually it never was going to be confined to universities. It was always metastasizing. It just takes a long time for ideas like that to spread. It takes generations and generations of teachers and professors and teachers and professors and elementary school teachers and, and changing the curriculum. And like, it takes a long time, but this is where we are now. And our entire educational system is overrun by um, Marxists with horrible philosophy. That's the end of my rant. Good rant. <laughs> uh, well, a couple of things there. I think you're absolutely correct about what's going on, whether that's a bleak prediction or not, but uh, it, it's the reality. Um, it, it also, it also didn't just like once they created these different neo-Marxist departments, like women's studies or critical race theory, queer studies, what have you, they didn't stay in those departments. All of that ideology then moved into the hard sciences and everything. I mean, that everything is now being looked at through this ideological lens. And then so within the university itself, it's not like it's stayed contained in the humanities even. It's in the hard sciences now. That's why well, you because get, they control the universities. Oh, right. And that's why but that's why you get biologists now who are saying that biological sex doesn't exist, that biological sex is a construct, a right. social construct, which is insane. Um, the the uh, the ideology left the colleges several generations ago. I mean, so my generation, I I uh, graduated was going to age me, right? Like almost 20 years ago. Um, but uh, my cohorts <laughs> went out and they work in entertainment. I went into entertainment. Um, they work in journalism. I can't count the number of professional SJW friends I had, let's say had. <laughs> Most of them, have, uh, some of them have even blocked me now. But, You've uh, been excommunicated. I totally excommunicated. Um, but they work in journalism and most of them are... Um, op-ed writers, or if some of them are not op-ed writers, they're actually, they're supposed to be reporting the news, but they are reporting the news from that ideological slant. Um, they went into, so entertainment, they went into journalism, they went into, um, like you said, corporations. A lot of them have friends who um, work at Google, who work at uh, a lot of the social media companies, Facebook, what have you. They're all coming from that ideology. And so when you want to know why, I mean, all these things are connected. It's because you have people who this is their primary lens for looking at the world. This is their ideology. And they are 
affecting corporate policy and they are affecting um, social media policy about hate speech and who, what, what kind of ideas get to be shared and which ones don't. They're um, making choices in entertainment, like what you see in uh, movies and television. They're they're making choices about what kind of shows get nominated for awards now, um, and they're they're trying to. They believe. Well, l listen to this guy, the guy that we you showed, who's this? What was he, the CEO or something at Procter and Gamble? Uh, chief brand officer. Chief brand officer. Okay. What did he say at the end? He ended it with, first of all, he used a word from this idea. He used the word intersectionality, which I wouldn't have imagined a corporate dude yeah. using that word. Yeah, he said intersectional ago. equality. Oh my gosh. <laughs> right. Intersectional yeah. equality. So he's speaking the language. Um, but then he says, uh, we're going to truly change the way all people see the world. That is their goal. No matter if they're in um, a corp, if they're working in a corporate environment, if they're working in marketing, advertising, entertainment, journalism, academia, um, they, their goal is they are an activist first and this is their religion and they are spreading this first before anything else. Um, and so it, it's in elementary schools now. That's what, that's what's coming. So I, I was talking to friends. Can I just, I just want to clarify, cause I yeah. think I, actually you're doing a disservice to religion, at, at least Christianity and right. I'm an atheist. So I'm going to defend Christianity for a minute. Uh, it's worse than a religion because uh, I've worked with a lot of devout born again Christians in my life. They don't make their company about proselytizing. Yes. They still make their company about their company. They make proselytizing is something they might do on the side or in their personal life and they have charities and they are involved in church. Their religion is private. These people, these social justice warriors, it's worse than a religion because uh, it's their raison d'etre. It's their entire life. And they, like, I guess you could say the same about religion, but like they, they, they have no boundary. They, they, they have no they boundary. Have no problem foisting it on everyone through the corporation through any means necessary and they want to they want to um codify law as well they want to put it into law they they want the state to enforce this belief this ideology um but yeah you're right i think it's it's more like a cult yep. and i didn't and, mean to interrupt uh, you because you were on a good no you're run. fine Sorry about well that. so where i see it heading now the interesting places where it's starting to infiltrate and again the word that's that's used is sjw convergence once you've got a critical mass of people who believe in this ideology and it's easy to get people to believe in this stuff because it's sold as compassion. It's, it's like you said, the package deal. And so um, the most interesting places for me right now, where it's infiltrating are the church, which is happening. Um, it's uh, the, it's in, it's moving into elementary school in kindergarten, public schools uh, at a younger age, people are being exposed to this at a younger and younger age. Um, and so uh, that is, is that a bleak future that we're looking at? Maybe, but sometimes when I talk to you, you make me optimistic though, because you, when you say that uh, you've said before that, that it's in its death throes and that's why it's so over the top right now. I and, do think it's in its death throes. Yeah. Well, I, I try to keep that thought in mind, but some days I'm more pessimistic about it than others. I do think more people like us are starting to speak about it, even though there's a fear. And you and I both know people who are like, how do you, how are you going to continue to make a living now that you're right. on the internet talking right. against this belief system? I know so many people who have issues with it, most of them on the left, liberals, but they're too terrified to speak against it. Um, and I, more and more of those people are starting I think, or at least I've seen, to speak in small ways, maybe. Um, and I just, I hope that more of them do. Because if, look, if everyone gets over this fear of 
of what you can and can't say, you know, you're self-censoring. And the, and the more people that get over that fear, the less power it has over any of us. So, right. Right. I mean, I think so. there's something important there that, that, um, that we've also talked about, which is a lot of people, I, I, I want to back up, right? There are a lot of people out there that you and I have, have both spoken to who they, they see these isolated instant instances of things and something rubs them wrong, right? Like, gee, my kid's teacher said X, Y, Z, or gee, why is the company doing that? Or gee, that looks, that looks a little bit weird, but, um, because they're good people and not you know not immersed in all this every day which you shouldn't be they got jobs and life life and stuff going on right and they and they kind of are good people and they assume things like my teacher probably has my child's best interest at mind of course because that's what teachers do right um because they make those assumptions which are reasonable assumptions to make in a normal society they kind of don't connect the dots and they and they kind of assume like oh well that's just a one off thing or maybe that's just some weird thing i don't understand i'll just leave it i'm i'm sure it's well meaning right um and and the harsh truth that i think people need to understand is they are not well meaning and this is all connected and you know i i wrote an article about christina wong's child zombie factory uh recently and did a video about it um now this this was kind of her over the top um indoctrination of kids but this kind of stuff happens in schools and one of the things that they do um, you talked about this this indoctrination being um, you talked about the, it being an emotional argument. It's easy for people to accept. Well, you got to prepare people to accept emotional arguments and you got to do that by destroying their critical reasoning skills. And so um, the teachers, for the most part in in primary element, you know, elementary, junior high school and high school, they don't have your child's best interest at heart. They might think they do, but what they're pushing is destroying critical thought precisely so that when they get to college, Marxist social justice professors can fill their brains with an ideology that they won't question and they can use emotional arguments to do it. My heartstrings are pulled at those commercials just as much as anyone else, but I have the ability to think critically as we all could have if we chose to work on it. Um, and so I can not get sucked in and I can be like, yeah, that makes me cry and they're selling a load of shit, right? Yeah. And that's not true. Um, but when you when you destroy the ability of kids to do that and you, and you teach them that the way to think and the way to learn is through ideological memorization and being uh, cognizant of social ostracization and making sure that you believe what everyone else believes and following the group and peer pressure, um, you, you prepare them for this and they get to college and then it's very easy to fill their heads with this and you got people around them chanting it and, and uh, you know, very aggressively foisting this ideology on them and they fall into line. Um, mm -hmm. And once they've fallen into line, at some point they get old enough that it's hard to question and change. So yeah. I think it really changes. We have to change it with the kids and the best thing to do there is um, get, a, get more active in however your kids are being educated and uh, either undo some damage or inoculate them or whatever, but pay attention because it's not, if you have some kind of feeling that something's weird somewhere, it's not an isolated incident. It's not disconnected from this. It is this, it's insidious, it is everywhere. And uh, we are in a cultural war. It's just that most people don't know it. Yeah, that that actually gave me chills when you said this friend of yours you were talking to who had just started to put some pieces together and then was like, oh, I didn't realize we we're in a war and it's like yes it is yeah. uh it's a war of ideas and um 
and this ideology has a head start on <laughs> people who are against it in a lot of ways. Um, and it, and because it is packaged as compassion and social justice and it's packaged as something positive, it makes it hard for people to see how evil it is. Um, and, and because they're so good at uh, controlling language and redefining words, that's why it's so important for them to get you as an average everyday person to accept these new ridiculous redefinitions. They have to convince you that racism is not racism and sexism is not sexism so that they can get you to support those things. Um, right. Otherwise because, you would say that's sexist. Exactly. So once you've started to accept those things, see, uh, when I was in SJW and I, I put this, this is, this is something when I, I thought about and I put it in the Gillette piece was, um, a lot of what passes for thinking is not thinking. Uh, and I, and I used to, I, I wasn't so much thinking as I was organizing words so that I can voice the ideology correctly. And if you're an adult who's watching this and you're, and, and here's a good way to tell if that's what you're doing. Not that you're going to listen to me if you're an SJW, but um, the first thing you feel they when you tuned you're us trying, out like way back at hello. Uh, they tuned but us out. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but it's this feeling of panic when you're trying to engage in a discuss any kind like like a discussion like we've had today. Um, you hesitate because you've got this critic in your head that is is running it. You're running it through an SJW filter to make sure that everything you're saying lines up with the ideology. And if something doesn't make sense, if somebody's saying something that doesn't make logical sense, like like uh, th that an act of racism is not racism because it was against a white person, or an act of sexism is not sexism because it was a, it was against uh, a man, um, you you are you're pulling from the different tenets and the different beliefs that you've been told to accept, and then you're just speaking them. You're not actually engaging in thought. Um, if you are panicked, if, if your first feeling is a panic or a fear that you have to say things correctly, th then you care more about saying things correctly than you do about finding the truth. And and so that that's a, I, I don't know if I'm explaining it well, but that, no, Carrie, that's the I best way. I think it's brilliant what you're saying. I think it's a brilliant yeah. insight at self-policing um, mm -hmm. because uh, I would agree with you 100%. Um, it's a... Uh, this is something that I actually, I went through a transition phase in my life from, I would say an ideologue. I mean, it was a uh, religion, but it was very devout um, and very uh, non-critical of anything kind of religion and, um, or non-critical of anything in the religion, critical of everything, <laughs> everything else. Um, and uh, I, I would say that the big transformation for me, and it, it's, it's really changed my approach to conversations Right, you and I just had a conversation about me saying I don't think those things are sexist. Right, um, I'm I'm much more willing now to just say what I'm thinking because my allegiance is to um, a rational method and and empiricism and reality. And so, if you demonstrate that I'm wrong, I'm not going to feel. I'll just be like, oh, yeah, good good point. Oops. I, I, I'm not like, I don't view myself as, that doesn't make me bad because I had the wrong answer. It's like, well, no, no, no. My, I'm not expected to have answers to everything. I'm not omniscient. I'm thinking these things through and these are my standards. And if my allegiance is to those standards, the anxiety about getting into an uncomfortable conversation dissipates quite significantly because I'm like, well, I might not know, but I don't have to fear that my beliefs are going to be proven wrong because if they're proven wrong, they will become my belief. Like they'll cease to be my beliefs at that point because I'll change my fucking mind and it will be a great productive conversation. 
So if you feel that anxiety, it, you're right. You, you're 100% right. It's a great signal that you are um, what would be called a social metaphysician, right? You, your, your, metaphys your approach to metaphysics, which is like the nature of things, right, is, is based on, on a social construct. It's like, well, what will the people around me say about this? How will I be perceived? Not based on whether it's true or not. And if you stop being a social metaphysician and you're worried only about whether it's true, you take some, I'm, I'm misusing this word according to how I would want to use it, but generally, but you take some of your ego out of it. Some of the, the that like, you have to be right. And yeah. it's like, well, no, I have to be dedicated to finding the right answer. That's all I have to be. That's and and it, it really is a lot easier to have conversations. And they're more Oh my gosh. It's so, that's why I say, I tell people it's so liberating on this side of it. It really is. Yeah, you're going to lose friends. All that stuff you're afraid of, those are legitimate fears. And some people can't speak because- they have things that to worry about that I don't have to worry about. Um, but uh, it is liberating to not have to police yourself like that all the time. That's why I say my brain was in a cage and I didn't realize it because uh, every I, I had that little filter. I was running everything through and I, and I wasn't really engaging in thought. And um, and it manifested itself in strange ways. Like when I was younger, I mean, I was a voracious reader. I loved to read. I didn't read as much during my SJW years. It's like now I'm trying to catch up because like I'm interested in all these things again. But, you know, during those years, I just read the approved and sanctioned SJW texts. And, you know, these are things that um, just are validating an ideology that you already have. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I think a, a clue that you're that you're maybe have succumbed to ideological beliefs is that you feel anxiety when you speak or you feel a need to make sure you're voicing the, something correctly and meaning that your peers will approve. Um, and uh, what was I going to say? Oh, and the other thing is, like you said, you're rigid about being right. I, ideologues are so rigid about, it's so important to them that they're right. And when they have conversations, I've noticed, so I, sometimes I'll ask them, what is, I'll get meta. And then <laughs> I'm like, why do, why do you think is the goal of conversation? Because the goal of a good conversation is for, it should be anyway, for you to express yourself as clearly as you can so that I can understand you better. And for me to express myself as clearly as I can so that you can understand me better. And then and then maybe we will um, strengthen our opinions or change our opinions or discard them or what have you, but we're we're actually engaging in something that's that's alive and is and it means something. Um, a lot of people have what I'd say are not, they're not useful conversations. They're not real conversations and ideologues, especially they're not, they're not talking to you with the intent of uh, being clear about their beliefs. Um, they're not talking to you with the intent of understanding you. They could care less if they understand you correctly. Um, and they're not talking with the um, willingness to change or discard any ideas they have. So everything they're saying is within, they just want to be right. They want to prove that they're right and they want to prove that you're wrong and period. Um, that's a pointless conversation. <laughs> it's just pointless. Right. And right. so if, if you go in and we all have that tendency, sometimes I have to, even though I, I don't believe in that ideology anymore, you know, I have to check myself and be like, wait a minute, has, be has being right become more important to me? <laughs> now then you know but just i that's i guess that's another good tell is if every time you talk to someone like you really don't care about what they're saying or making sure that you understand it you're just trying to uh slap them down or prove that you're superior or or yeah. correct or something yeah be married to the method not the yeah. result um
which is what a scientist is. They're married to the method, not the result. Um, so you can apply that in more than just science. Um, you know, Tamara said something interesting. She 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 mentioned uh, name calling as uh, as being something that is rote uh, among SJWs, and and I think it's important. I think a lot of us react negatively. I certainly uh, no one likes being called names, and we've both been called uh, names, uh, especially recently. Um, but you got to keep in mind when the SJWs are calling you a name, it's not because you're that thing. It's not because you've given them any evidence that you're that thing. It's not because you misspoke generally. Um, it's usually because they are emotionally upset that they don't have an answer and they need to shut the conversation down um, because you have uh, you've exhausted their uh, their little library of cliche comebacks and they're there's they're out and there is no critical thinking happening. They don't want to have an actual conversation like Carrie is saying, and they desperately don't want to um, face the reality that they don't have uh, an argument because that's a horrifying reality to have, to realize that you're, you're emotional and angry and uh, uh, proselytizing something for which you have no good argument and, and some random person can come along and derail you in a conversation on Facebook. So uh, the response, it's an emotion, it's, a, it's an attack and it's an attempt to intimidate you. Because if I just call you a sexist, if you're a male, I call you a sexist, that's intimidating. You're white and I call you a racist, that's intimidating. Um, because, uh, and it's intimidating to people who don't want to be sexist or racist. It's not actually intimidating to a real sexist or a racist. Uh, you know, if you were actually a sexist and someone said, you're a sexist, you'd be like, damn right, sweetie, I'm a sexist, right? I mean, <laughs> yes. that's fine, right? Um, it's It only is intimidating to people who don't want to be a sexist or a racist. Right. And so that's why they're using it. They're using it to, um, to, to, to intimidate you into shutting up because they are internally they are freaking the hell out because they've run out of things to say that makes sense yeah one of the biggest uh responses that i got from sjw's about the gillette controversy and i shouldn't be surprised but i was somewhat surprised that i got it from a national journalist i know uh who is who who is a you know, comes from that SJW um, critical race, you know, gender theory place. Um, but anyway, his response was essentially, if you don't like the ad, it wasn't, let me try and understand what you're saying about the ad. It was, if you don't like the ad, you're a sexist. That's what it boiled down to. If you don't like the ad, you're uncomfortable with the fact that the world is getting less sexist. Gee, I'm uncomfortable with the fact that the world is getting less sexist. <laughs> <laughs> they yeah. they say ridiculous things, but see, if I were afraid of that, if I were afraid of being called sexist, then I wouldn't engage, try and engage in those conversations. So you just have to get over that fear. It's like, no, like I'm not, um, they, like you said, it's a very great point, Carter. It only holds weight if you're not those things and you're afraid of being called those things because you're not, um, right. you know, an actual racist or an actual sexist is like, yeah, I am. Right. <laughs> if you call a member of the KKK racist, he'll be like, yes, I am. Sorry to <laughs> make him Southern there, but whatever, right? Like, <laughs> you know, and then he'll probably spout some racist epithets, right? right. I mean, that's. I, um, I, uh, got called a, uh, bitch by a feminist, a committed feminist yesterday. <laughs> um, I always think that's funny when they, anyway, um, Hey, I was yeah. wondering, I, I sent you something which might be a funny ending, but you may disagree. It's on your Where Twitter. Where did you send it? Where'd you send it? On Twitter. 
Okay, I'll look for it on Twitter. In in the meantime, actually, can you talk about something else? Because um, yeah. there's something else I think people need to understand. This guy, um, when we were listening to Mark Pritchard, the the chief brand officer for um, for Procter and Gamble, the the parent company to Gillette, he used language that I think was um, fascinating. Not only did he use social social justice language, he said things like, um, "We want to paint an accurate and positive picture of different cultures and races and stuff like that," and. It's interesting because that sounds nice, but you can contrast that with what the ad actually did. Um, and I think you could argue it's not a positive picture. And I don't think people understand, Carrie, necessarily how good a lot of these, these people are at language and why they're so good at language. I'm gonna look for that thing while you talk about that. I just think this thing I sent you might be a fun palate cleanser, but you let me know. Um, yeah, I actually wrote that down when I was watching him because this was my first time seeing that clip. He said uh, they want to paint an accurate and positive portrayal of, and it was something like gender, race, sexuality, culture, and religion. Well, that's interesting to me because uh, a positive portrayal of cult, not every culture is equal. I mean, that's cultural relativism. That's saying we're, we're going to, we're going to paint a positive picture no matter if it is or not. And then, and with same with religion, you know, some religions are uh, more valid than others, I would say, or more positive for humanity um and and uh and and then the fact that he's saying an accurate and positive portrayal accurate and positive accurate doesn't um uh, doesn't necessarily mean something is going to be positive sometimes if it's accurate it's negative <laughs> so well, that i think that's yeah. the argument they would make about uh men yeah but so so every yeah so what he's saying is a lie he's just speaking words um, because this portrayal of men and masculinity that they showed us in the Gillette ad was not a positive one. Um, something I, in, in the conversations I've been having about it, something that I thought was interesting was uh, some SJWs like to argue, well, we're not saying that all masculinity is toxic. We're saying that we there we do need to get rid of toxic masculinity. And, and so my response to that is, A, you don't see SJWs talking about the toxic manifestations of femininity in the same way. And there are toxic manifestations of femininity, just like there are masculinity. You don't see that being a phrase that's thrown out there willy nilly. And so I think it is, uh, I think it is harmful for boys to absorb this idea that masculinity is toxic. Little boys aren't sitting there and hearing some kind of nuance of like, Oh, masculinity is fine. It's just this toxic part of it. Um, it, you are, instilling in their brain that there's something that needs to be fixed about men, about boys, about masculinity. Um, and you're not doing the same and you would never do the same with femininity. And so that is a huge red flag to me. Um, right. Because they do believe there's something, uh, wrong they with do. masculinity. And, and in, in the ad, in the script, I'll just wrap up that point was in yeah. the script, they say there are some some men already are, meaning some men already are acting the right way, um, but some is not enough. So that leads you to believe- Doesn't sound like a lot. <laughs> it's not a lot. Some men are doing the right thing, but some is not enough. So when when they face criticism though, on their Facebook page in the, the responses, one of their responses was that they tried to pretend like this ad was about just a few bad apples, which is the exact opposite of what the script said. The script said, no, the the few apples are the few that are doing that are living the right way, um, right. and, and, and you, they contradict yeah. themselves. Yeah, they do, and and you have to you have to also you have to also understand that these 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 people um, they are brilliant at 
language. I mean, these are the people who write movies and books and 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 magazines. Like they're they're actually really good at language. Generally, they're in the humanities department, and 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 communication is very important to them, especially um, especially evoking uh, emotions in people. Like that is it's it's critical because they can't they can't foist their idea. They can't like win in in the sphere of argument. They can't say like you know, let's have a rational debate about something. And and if they do that and everyone watches, no one will side with them. So they need to really get good at um, pulling your heartstrings and using emotionality and using language. And they are superb at it. So when you watch that ad, um, you have to think about like, how did they set the mood? Who did they choose to cast it? What are they saying first? Like, what's the music sound like? How are they like, the guys are looking in that mirror like, oh, it's, we have a problem and while they're saying like toxic masculinity right over like while like this is a they're 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 creating a mood and a feeling about men right if if they were if they really were saying it was a few bad apples the mood and feeling would be completely different it would be like hey guys i know a lot of us are great but sometimes there's a bad apple and here's this weird <laughs> random guy who's a bad apple he sucks let's like kick him out of the club Right. I mean, that would be the but if it was about a few bad apples, if they thought it was about a few bad apples, they wouldn't make an ad because why address it? It's just a few bad apples. <laughs> right. Of course. Of course. <laughs> um, and someone is pointing out Tamara is pointing out that Jonathan Haidt uh, talks about uh, they know how to talk. They know how to talk to your elephant, which is the emotional subconscious. And she's spot on. Right. Yeah. They're really, really they're really, really good at that. Um, and that's something that you got to keep in mind. So um, I would say. Uh, feelings aren't arguments. That's one of our our rules on unsafe space. But they are valid indications to you that something is happening, and you need to stop when you have an emotional reaction to these things and really try and unpack it and figure out why. And it could be two reasons. It could be your own psychological shit, and it's an inappropriate reaction or a reaction that doesn't matter. Or there could be that you're being manipulated, and there's something deep there, and you need to look at it and really understand what are they doing um, to make me feel this way. Um, and so, uh, I, I guess I guess that's the last thing I'll say. Jonathan about that. It's, Jonathan Heights book, by the way. Um, Tamara and I are in a book club together, and we're currently reading *The Righteous Mind*. And I highly recommend it to anyone watching. He, he talks about when she says the, the his his analogy is basically that your rational mind is like the rider on top of an elephant, and your ele the elephant is your emotional mind. And most people like to believe, we all like to believe that it's our rider who's controlling the elephant, our rational mind controlling her, but it's the other way around. It's our emotional mind that controls the rider, unless you're really paying attention and trying to understand how your emotions are, are pushing. Because mostly you make up your mind with a gut reaction, like you said at the very beginning of this, you saw it, you had a gut emotional reaction. Most people, that's all they do. Like I said, they have the emotional reaction, and then they work backwards to rationalize it, why they have that opinion. Right. You actually right. stopped and evaluated the fact that it was an emotional reaction and then tried to come at it rationally. But yeah. most people. And, but it makes that. sense evolutionarily, right? Because your mm -hmm. conscious mind is much slower and it's laborious and um, you can't possibly integrate all the data as well. So it actually makes evolutionary sense for you to mostly function off of intuition and and emotion and and your emotions often are giving you information about the world. Um, it's just that that information is um, is put through the lens of I, I would argue it's put through the lens of your um, worldview, uh, and it's done kind of automatically. So if you've got one worldview, if you're a Nazi and you hear Hitler speak, you're gonna probably feel happy and 
proudful and like, yay, that was great. And that will be an emotional reaction and it will be visceral and immediate. And if you're a normal person, you're gonna hear Hitler speak and be disgusted and angry and pissed off. And that will be an emotional reaction. Um, and they happen instantaneously, but they're both based on um, your belief structure that you've adopted. And that can be changed with your conscious mind and you can do it over time. So it's important to, to, to figure out why you're having that reaction because you got to let the elephant drive most of the time. You can't stop and like, you know, do a pros and cons about why you're having Rice Krispies for breakfast, right? You get, you got to <laughs> just go with it. Um, so, um, uh, yeah, anyway, Carrie, I, oh, there was a question for you here, which I think is an interesting question. I know we're going over, but this is a fun conversation. Um, yeah. Someone asked you, actually, uh, it was, um, from your perspective as a former SJW, um, how do the SJWs avoid moments of clarity? And the, the question is like, they must have constant doubt, right? So how do they, how do they make sure they don't question, I guess? Like what's, what's the process? Uh, well, this uh, goes, I, I believe, as I've mentioned on this program before, that there are two different, roughly speaking, have, there's two different types of people who are SJWs. There are the, um, there's a great video, a great lecture by Brett uh, Weinstein called How the Magic Trick is Done. It's on YouTube. Everyone should watch this lecture because he he breaks apart a lot of this. Um, but but he he talks about within the, the social justice movement, the, um, the bad actors and the tools. Um, so the bad actors are the ones who, in my opinion, I'm, I'm going to borrow his words, but use my definitions. The bad actors are the ones who know that this idea, they know what it is. Um, they know it's about power. They they are using it to gain more power for themselves. They have bad intent. Um, they don't actually care about ending oppression. They just want to be the ones oppressing. And a lot of times they're the ones who are leading the movement. They become the leaders. They become the ones who are um, profiting from it the most. Um, a great example, and I don't mind naming him because I think he's a perfect example of it in the main, and he's in the public eye is Sean King. Um, so those those I think are I think I call them bad actors or um, there was a there was a study done about uh, SJWs it, it was about uh, the origins of PC authoritarianism and in that study they broke down into two groups as well PC authoritarians and PC egalitarians or liberals so the PC authoritarians in my mind are the bad actors they're the ones who have bad intent and then the the other group are um, are the tools. And the tools often in the in the study about the difference, the tools um, usually there's a couple different characteristics. They um, are higher, they're high in openness, they're high in agreeableness, which is why they go along with stuff that they might have doubts about. Um, the the agreeableness also that's like a compassion. They have their their compassion is used against them. Um, oftentimes they're, they have higher verbal cognitive ability. So they make really great tools because they're able to take these messed up ideas and then articulate it in a way that makes sense to other people. Um, and, and I think a lot of the tools or the PC egalitarians, um, I think a lot of them have good intent and, and it's because they're, their desire to do good and be good is being manipulated. So, um, now that I've laid that out, the, the bad actors, I don't think they have moments of doubt because this for them is just a, this whole ideology is just a method to uh, climb some kind of hierarchy for them. And they don't really care about any of the issues they say they care about. Um, the, uh, the PC egalitarians, however, or, or the tools, 
I think they, at least in my experience, people who have little moments of clarity where they don't understand why something is happening. Would you call that, is that cognitive dissonance or something? Like, they, wait a minute, this isn't what I thought I signed up for. Uh, kind cognitive of dissonance is actually when you're able to have uh, hold two uh, disparate uh, or conflicting beliefs simultaneously. Right. Um, so, so generally, I would say they, they're living in cognitive dissonance generally. They are. Uh, I guess if you're starting to unravel that, that's not really... If you're recognizing it, then you're starting to unravel it, and probably you're not right. cognitive. So once in a while, like you're once in a while, those moments of clarity, you recognize it. So for me, I recognized it when this was years ago before I really started my change. But um, when the whole feminist community went after Maria Kang, who they called Fit Mom, and they basically were shaming this woman and and pulled her through the press and called her a uh, a fat phobe and a body shamer and all this stuff because she was physically fit and was promoting fitness and for, for mothers. And, um, and, and I, and I couldn't understand cause I felt like the way she, we were, we were supposed to be picking up our pitchforks and going after this woman. And, and I'm like, but I thought we we're against sexism. This seems, seems kind of sexist or I thought we we're, we're against bullying and this seems kind of bullying. Like we're bullying this woman. And, uh, so every once in a while you have those moments of clarity, but then what happens is it's the power of uh, fear and, you know, your peer group, everyone around you, your echo chamber believes this thing. And if you step out of line, it's not just like you have a different opinion on one thing. It's like, like if your belief system is a house, it's not like saying, Hey guys, uh, I'm going to move my window. Like I'm going to do a different window. No, it's, if you, it's like raising your house to the ground. So it's, people are afraid to step out of line because it, it, maybe deep down they know it will trigger changing their entire belief structure if they I don't know if that's a good answer I'm kind of rambling but it's an interesting no, I question think it, I think it's a good answer and I think you're probably right I think their uh I guess their their elephant so to speak probably feels threatened and knows that it will that something will change majorly if they continue uh that thought process and you know thinking is uh thinking is hard I mean uh I think it was Ayn Rand that once said she thinks that uh, free will, I, wouldn't, I don't want to get into free will debates, but uh, like free will, like consciousness basically comes down to one constant question, which is the, it's one constant decision. You only have one decision ever, uh, and that is to think or not to think. And it's like something comes into your mind and you choose like, do I think about that or I don't think about that? Do I think about that or I don't think about that? And her argument was like, that's all you, that's all you've got. You've got that one choice to make. That's it. Think or not. Um, and you choose what to think about. Um, and when something's uncomfortable, a lot of people are like, uh, not right. Uh, and they move to something else. So, um, some Jason's mentioning that he thinks people that aren't full ideologues can be deprogrammed. They, maybe they only, uh, have a few, uh, SJW talking points that they've bought into. And I think there's, I think that's right to some extent. I mean, I, I think, uh, look, I think a lot of people in society have bought into, one or two SJW talking points because they haven't thought about it because it's just out in the, uh, it's part of the leitmotif of society and and people just kind of accept it and nod their heads and why bother to think about it? You're busy with your life or whatever and it sounds right. And uh, especially when, you know, this guy uses words like, oh, we want we want, uh, we want to make other other cultures and uh, portray them positively and accurately. You can be like, yeah, yeah that makes sense, right? And, like, <laughs> and even when people talk about uh, intersectionality at first, it's like, well, you know, there's, you know, you can be black and you can be black and gay. And those are two different things you could be oppressed by. And it's like, oh, yeah, I guess, I guess that makes sense. Those are two different things. And and you could be oppressed by both of them if you're a gay black man. And like, that, okay, that makes I guess you could be a gay black trans person or whatever. And 
that would be worse. Um, so, I mean, people get that at that level, um, but that's not the essence of the ideology. And, uh, and I think maybe just exposing them to what's really going on underneath this and, and exposing the sexism and racism and frankly, just vile hatred uh, that's underpins all of this stuff. It's really just nihilist. It's like an angry nihilistic hatred that underlies all of this, um, which is ironic because they're the ones that talk about everyone else being haters. Um, but, uh, you know, they're also the ones that are, they're the ones out burning Starbucks and smashing car windows and beating people up with bike locks. And they're the first people to uh, hold a picture of, uh, or, you know, hold up uh, a likeness of Trump's severed head and, uh, and, and claim that his whole family needs to be killed because, because uh, he once said, I grab him by the pussy. Uh, so. Great ending. <laughs> okay. Actually, do, wait, do we we want to play your commercial? I have the uh I have the SNL woke Levi's commercial uh, which that's I think probably is funny more relevant. Also. That's probably more relevant, but uh yeah. But everybody should look up. This is a really funny commercial. Maybe you just put the link in the comments. I I can post I'll I'll post the uh I'll post the link. Um this is one of my favorite commercials. It's an, it's an, I think it's from the sixties or seventies. It's a Japanese commercial with Charles Bronson. It's for a cologne called Mandem. <laughs> and it's just, awesome and it's just him doing really ridiculously masculine things like shooting guns. And, and then like at one point he throws his shirt up into the air and it doesn't come down, <laughs> which is funny, but it's, <laughs> but this kind of, I thought of this commercial with the Gillette thing because I'm like, Oh, they would really hate this. This is a, this is a toxically masculine commercial. If ever I saw one, yeah. Well, Charles Bronson generally, I think, is uh, is toxically mas masculine. That's just his uh, his thing. I'm posting. I'm going to post the link right now for people. This is the uh, Charles Bronson random commercial. Uh, so there it is, and. Um, you know, I will, I'll, I'll play the, uh, I'll play the Saturday night. So Saturday night live, um, you know, you were saying, Carrie, you worked in the, uh, in the entertainment industry, you worked with a lot of comedians and sometimes what happens is someone proposes a, a joke or a skit and, uh, they can't deny it's funny. So they kind of got to run with it, even though it's kind of self mocking. And I think, uh, to some extent, good comedians are nihilists, so they don't really, uh, they'll tear down anything if it's funny, even stuff mm -hmm. that's important. Um, so often and, uh, once in a while SNL gets it right. So they, they actually did do, uh, an interesting commercial. If you haven't seen it, we'll play it about, uh, uh, a parody on Levi's making woke jeans. Um, but before I do that really quickly, uh, please, um, join us next week. Uh, we'll have, uh, Tom Golden who, if have you seen the movie red pill? I think you've seen it, Carrie, right? I've seen it. It's great. It's a great movie. Uh, Cassie J. I think that's right. We talked about it last time. She's a she was a feminist, but she was an honest feminist, and she decided to do a movie about the men's rights movements and uh, ended up uh, not being so critical of them after all. And gee, there's some there's some legitimacy there. And so Tom was in that movie. He's a therapist. He's the author of uh, The Way Men Heal and another book called Swallowed by a Snake: The Gift of the Mas Masculine Side of Healing. Um, so he's about men uh men healing i guess is his specialty he's going to be on uh next week at 11 a.m on deprogrammed so uh we'll talk about that and probably touch on the apa stuff that we've talked about previously um the apa's uh guidelines for 
for men and boys. So um, join us there. You can please uh, follow us on YouTube. If you don't already subscribe, please subscribe. That helps us. We're building an audience here from the ground up. So uh, please do that and follow us on Twitter, uh, Facebook. Oh, also we have a podcast. You can just look up Unsafe Space on your podcast favorite podcast app and we make all of these um, into audio versions. This one will be not as great, I guess, because we're playing video and people can't see the video, but uh, but nevertheless, we all the talks are in audio. Anything else, Carrie, that I'm missing, that I'm forgetting? Just be your best self. Be your, <laughs> be your best self. Uh, all right, so let's see. Okay. All right, we will end with, uh, with this ad. And so this is our... Uh, you're nod to SNL. They did a good job here. And this is what's happened in the advertising community and in among brands. And so maybe this will be a real thing sometime soon. Due to copyright claims, we removed the Saturday Night Live skit for Levi's woke jeans. But you can find a link to it in the written description of this episode. Thanks for listening. And thanks again for your support.